But that's the dilemma. You know, which what's going to go? Like, how are you going to balance these things out? Because, you know, you have 168 hours in your week and everything you do fits in that 168 hours. Hello and welcome to Sharp, the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. So now, on with the episode. Hello there. Now, last time I said that this episode was going to be something to look forward to, and I referred to the fact that it was episode 42, and that in Douglas Adams' five-piece trilogy, 42 is the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything. Now, I'm not saying that Sharp the Podcast is the answer to life, the universe, and everything. You might say that, but I'm not. But it is appropriate that in episode 42, we are covering a subject which, I think, could contain a key to giving you a better life. And if you have a better life, then you might be part of a better universe and everything. Pablo Picasso said that the meaning of life is to find your gift, and the purpose of life is to give it away. The American poet Lawrence Overmeyer said that creativity is at the root of love and meaning in this life. Now, you might be thinking, Steve, have you lost your marbles? This podcast is about getting better at stuff. What does it have to do with creativity? Well, I say to you who who say that, that you've missed the second half of the strapline, which is so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. And if the thing that you want to do is to write that novel that's been at the back of your mind for years, or start the photography course, or create something from food, or just turn some ideas into a blog or a website, then you possibly fall into the category of the millions of others like you who yearn to do something creative, but never get round to pressing the button. Well, I think I've found a solution, and it comes in the form of comic book writer, cartoonist, and author Jessica Abel. Now, I first came across Jessica's work when I read her amazing book, Out on the Wire, The Storytelling Secrets of the New Masters of Radio. For a podcaster, that book is nectar, and it really helped me learn how to develop and hone this podcast for your listening pleasure. But more recently, I've discovered her book, Growing Gills, where Jessica gives us the tools to find the space to make that leap and actually do that creative thing that's been knocking around that we've never made happen. Now, Jessica has been featured in The Guardian, The LA Times, Inc., Marie Claire, and all sorts of places. And I couldn't believe my luck when she agreed to come on the podcast. We spoke in June when Jessica was in her office in Philadelphia. The temperature was beastly, and you join us just after I've been wrestling for half an hour with a poorly timed Windows update, while Jessica demonstrates the patience of a saint. And I think I might have got a bit giddy. Jessica, um, I'm really, really pleased to, uh, to have you down the line, I think is the, the industry term, I don't know, connected via computer so we can talk to each other. And I've pressed record. That's about as, uh, as, as sophisticated as I get. Um, good. I'd say good evening. It's good afternoon to you. How are you? 
doing real well. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. You're not as pleased as me. I just go try and calm down. I just so a because we've had some technology problems because uh, because Windows, and uh, secondly because I I have already said to Jessica in the quick chat we had before recording that I am very very pleased uh, to be able to talk to you about um, your work productivity anything that uh, the people that listen to Sharp the podcast will find useful. And you are in beastly hot Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really awful today. Are you in an air-conditioned officer? I am. I am inside, and I plan to stay here all afternoon. <laughs> I don't blame you. Well, thank you ever so much for, for coming on to Sharp the podcast. Just to explain to my listeners, to our listeners, I read uh, Jessica's fantastic book out on the wire because I wanted to learn about doing good podcasting and uh, how to do things that uh, are interesting and useful to uh, you guys who listen to the show. And I found it to be a remarkable piece of work. It's the first, do I call it, it's not a graphic novel, is it? What do we call it? Well, it's tricky because if you call it a graphic nonfiction or something, it's I mean, it's graphic narrative. That's the overall term. But um, I've called it a uh, comics documentary. Okay. Kind of that. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not something that has a really great name. Graphic nonfiction. Yeah, it's a nonfiction comic book, long comic okay. book. Yeah. So, and you are a professional illustrator, graphic artist. How would you describe yourself? I'm a cartoonist. A cartoonist. Okay. Yeah. In that in the in the zone in which you are referring to right now, my job title is cartoonist. Yeah. Cartoonist is somebody who um both writes the work and also draws it. And that for me, as I said, it's the first time I've um I've read a a, a, a graphic nonfiction book. And I was uh, it was fantastic. I'm sorry. I'm gonna stop gushing in a minute. <laughs> but it was no, no, go on, the, go on, go <laughs> on. I just need to let the, let the audience know. There'll be moments when I will just be quiet because I don't know what to say. I'm not, I'm not usually a speechless kind of guy. Uh, so yeah, it was it was a fan it was a fantastic book for me because you know as a fan of um, NPR and This American Life and that kind of storytelling podcast, that's something I try to get into some of the episodes of what we do here and. Um, trying to make it just a bit more interesting than your average, you know, here's a productivity technique, go and use it. You might find it works, you might not. So to, to learn a bit about the art of storytelling and how to, how to include it and get that into, uh, into, this, into this podcast, I found really, really useful. And then we exchanged messages and you very kindly said you'd come on the show. And then I read some of your other stuff. <laughs> And I thought, flipping heck, I, I thought I knew my stuff. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to find myself learning an awful lot in our conversation. So how, how would you describe what you do? What's an average day? What's today been like? An average day, well, it, it varies whether it's during the school year or not, because during the school year, um, I am a teacher and an administrator at the school. And so my average weeks, at least, if not every day, I'm here at school and I'm teaching classes and I'm having some meetings and things like that. Um, and I also now, um, and this is what you referred to when you talked about reading my other work, I now teach a group coaching program called the Creative Focus Workshop. And um, I do that twice a year during the school year. And um, that's a 
an online program to, it's not productivity exactly. It's more, it, I mean, it's focus is the keyword, right? It's how to prioritize and really make time for the kind of work that normally always gets shunted to the future, you know, or punted rather, you know, like the, the, um, the really big ambitious projects that will change your life if you do them, but they're the things that have no deadlines and there's nobody asking for them. It's all on you. And, um, so my focus in the creative focus workshop is to help people figure that out and, and make, make the room for those things and, and really kind of up level who they are creatively via some productivity tools, as well as a lot of kind of mindset work and and other kinds of things that go along with that. And so I have a book called Growing Gills, which is what you read, that is um, goes through most of my method, although I've actually evolved it quite a bit since I wrote the book, but that that's the basic approach. Okay. So how did you how did you make the transition from um, producing I mean the 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 out on the wire book I referred to before, um, which I think you wrote six or seven years ago, a bit longer. No, no, uh, more recently. It came out in twenty fifteen. Okay. okay. Um, it actually, so out on the wire is uh, the subtitle of it is the storytelling secrets of the new masters of radio, and it's yeah. about narrative technique um, as used by the greatest you know, American podcast and radio producers like Ira Glass and Jad Amrod and Stephanie Fu and other people like that. So um, that's actually the roots of that go back 20 years to 1999 when I did a short comic book with Ira Glass for This American Life about how they made, made their show. Um, and that's called Radio and Illustrated Guide. And most of that is in the preface of Out on the Wire. And um, that kind of was out there for like – about, I mean, it's still out there, but it was like 12 years of being circulated and reprinted over and over again. And um, so it was being used and was known by essentially everybody in the narrative audio world in the US. So that's the under, and I just thought, wow, this just keeps coming back. Like people keep, I keep meeting people who are using this book and it just still has so much relevant, um, yeah. uh, relevance to it. So I went back to Ira and went and proposed doing a new thing, which he refused doing because it's he has a job. <laughs> and <laughs> quite so, busy. Yeah, he's a little busy. So we together basically came up with this concept. Um, he helped me sort of you know hone in on this concept of basically going to five new shows and ended up being six or seven actually um, that had sprung up since. I did Radio and Illustrated Guide and, and figure out something about the range of different ways that people approach narrative. And as soon as the book was finished, um, I decided that I should make a podcast. So I did a podcast also called Out on the Wire um, that is sort of takes the content of Out on the Wire and expands it beyond the bounds of just podcast and, and really talks about it as narrative writ large, you know, for basically anybody making stories. And in that um, podcast, it's has a, it also has a more pedagogical angle than the book does. Um, and so I started a, an online group and every episode I would have a challenge. So a, an assignment essentially. 
And people could post their responses to that in the group and discuss them. And then we would actually pick work from the group and talk about it in workshop episodes in between the main episodes. And so we would critique the work and talk about what came up live in live conversations. But the, the main episodes are narrative. They're fully scripted. So it went back and forth between those things. Anyway, the point is we had this really, really lively group of people, you know, really great, awesome people yeah. doing doing podcasts, but also doing all kinds of other work. And many of them I've ended up working with, you know, later as well, which has been pretty cool. Um, but so I was trying to figure out what I was going to, what my next step was um, professionally. Um, and I was thinking I would start doing some teaching or training around narrative I didn't know what that would look like exactly, but, um, you know, I was thinking I was enjoying doing this sort of virtual course in a sense um, uh-huh. via the podcast. And so I surveyed the group. I surveyed people on my mailing list and in this group and said, what do you need? Like, what what should I teach you? And the thing that came up just it just jumped out of the survey was people saying, I can't get my work done. I don't know how to focus. Yeah. I don't. You know, I procrastinate all the time. All I want to do is do this big thing, and I don't know how to do it. It's too big for me, you know, um, perfectionism, blah, 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 like all this stuff. And I thought, oh, well, I kind of know something about that, um, having been a cartoonist for 20 years. And so I started, I did a little pilot course um, in December 2015, and it went super well. Um, It was, I, I wrote it kind of as I went. Um, and it was initially really focused on just how do you plan a creative project? That's it. Yeah. Do you, can I just ask, does, do you think that that is particularly a problem or more of a problem for people that work in the creative industry? I think it's more visible. I mean, I think that essentially everybody ha- everybody has things that they want to be doing that they're not doing that they feel like would make them more true to themselves. Do you know? So like... the. And I think that people who are working day jobs that they care about um, may even have that like within their work where they know that there are these sort of big developmental projects they would love to do that would really change everything about their job. Um, But they can't figure out how to stop being just, quote unquote, busy all the time and make room for that. So I do have students who, you know, are either entrepreneurs or, or they in addition to doing creative work, they apply this immediately at their day jobs and get great results from it. Um, I think all that said, for for creative people, uh, people who are prof- want to be for professional creatives, are professional creatives, or really devote a lot of their time to it one way or another, it is really a, it is a pressing need. It is a very like, um, you know how they talk about um, you know, in copywriting, they talk about like agitating pain or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, it is a pressing pain that that you can't figure out how to write your novel. Um, or somebody wrote me yesterday saying, like, oh, he has this film he wants to make. He's written the script. He's trained himself. He's got all the equipment, all this other stuff. But he's got a full time job, a toddler, and a baby on the way, and he's so he doesn't do anything. Right. You know, he doesn't work on it. And I thought you can't. What are you gonna wait till they're eighteen? You can't not like, do it. Yeah, you, yeah. you can't wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like if if this is he obviously cares about this a lot. He's really, you know, he's invested time and money in it. He has a team of people who want to, you know, volunteers. He's not talking about Hollywood. He's talking about, you know, people who live around him doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought, like, this is 
I mean, ex this is exactly the thing. You know, he's sitting there thinking every day he's resenting his, you know, two-year-old needing him. Yeah, yeah. Because of his film. And that's not right. He doesn't want that either. You know, you have to be able to be present, um, you know, with your work and also with your relationships. And I think you, um, in that newsletter you sent me a copy of, the, the, the thing that really resonates with me is where you said that how you spend your days is how you spend your life and how people tend to put things off because they don't fit in the day or they don't fit in the week or they, they just don't fit with what they do. Um, that line really resonated with me. And I think even for people who aren't uh, employed to be in the creative industry, that idea of they've got something within them, something they want to get out. And in fact, my personal view is that you don't necessarily need to get that from your day job because many of us, you know, we do a job to pay the bills and, and, and that's, that's why most of us go to work. So certainly those people who are employed, but it's hard to do because everything else seems to take over. So that, that really speaks to something I've you know, personally found quite challenging. Yeah. I mean, I find it very challenging as well. I mean, it's not something I have nailed down at all. Yeah. Um, I think that's the hardest thing to do, really. And I don't necessarily mean literally integrating. I think it's great that you got your partner and your kids on your podcast. That's not always what's going to happen in a literal sense, but it's it's like negotiating, figuring out your time, negotiating the time, figuring out what time you reasonably can have available using that time and and communicating with people you love that they respect that, okay, well, now is the time when I'm doing my creative thing. And if I do this, then I'm, when I am playing with you, I'm going to be playing with you and not yes. thinking about sitting in front of my computer. Absolutely. And it's that skill, isn't it, of, of being there, whatever you're doing, actually being there for it. And I've personally, I've found um, meditation. I'm a huge fan of GTD. And I know you've, uh, you've, you've, you've learned David Allen's techniques. Um, you know, for, for me, it's having that capability to be able to say, whatever it is I'm dealing with at that moment in time, that is absolutely where my focus is. But I'm also going to plan to do something else. And my focus will be somewhere else um, rather than doing something and, you know, thinking about work, thinking about the job. I, I think managing time is a misnomer, but people understand what you say when you say that. Um, you've got to manage your, your time. But you need to start off knowing what your priorities are. Actually, what, mm -hmm. what are the big things that I want to do? And, and how, do I, how do I chip away at getting bits of those done instead of just, just getting really good at dealing with a minutiae every day? Right. I mean, are you going to be the world's best email answerer or are you going to write your novel? <laughs> yeah, indeed. You, know, you have to make choices. And, and the thing I talk about a lot is that um, when you decide that you want to be doing some big ambitious project, you are going to face dilemmas. And dilemmas are, a dilemma is when um, it's not just a choice to make, it's a choice where you have two or more competing options that um, there are positives and negatives to each one. And if you choose one, it's going to, you know, the other one's gonna lose out. That they're not, they're, they're in competition with each other. Right, well, I just wanted to jump in here because this next bit is a key part of the conversation. This is where we explore this idea of the competing influence of the thing that you want to do and how it can often lose out because we default to all the other stuff in our life. Blimey, I'm enjoying this conversation. I hope you are too. See if you recognise any of the challenges that you have in your life in this bit coming up. So, you know, you can't spend 
you know, 50 hours a week at your job so that you, you know, get a, a raise and, you know, praise mm -hmm. from your boss and all that other stuff, you know, and cook um, healthy meals from scratch, you know, every night and, you know, take care of um, your toddler, you know, and write your novel. Like yeah. you, something has to give. And maybe, I mean, maybe you will write your novel, but you write it for half an hour a week and it's going to take you 10 years, which, you know, <laughs> that's an option. It's an option, yeah. you know, like you choose. But that's the dilemma, you know, which, what's going to go? Like, how are you going to balance these things out? Because, you know, you have 168 hours in your week and everything you do fits in that 168 hours, you know, by default. How do you do well, that? How do I do what? Fit it all in? I don't. No, no, no. <laughs> how do you how do you deal with that dilemma um, that you have around those things competing for your attention? Well, I mean, there's different dilemmas at different moments, you know, and so it's, you know, what I try to do is just be conscious that there is one because a lot of times what happens is I think that we don't acknowledge that there is a dilemma that is preventing us from making a decision uh -huh. because we're facing this, you know, really tough decision and it feels like, I, you know, you're stuck, like you, there's nothing you can do. But the fact is you just, you have to make a call. And so what I try to do is just be aware that I have to make a call. Like, I, you know, I look at my calendar for this week and I have, um, you know, three or four kind of chunky thinking writing tasks on the, the calendar. Okay. And, and I've been not acknowledging that over the last week. And so things have just been kicking down the calendar, you yeah. know, because I can really only do like one of those things in a day and they may take more than one day. Yeah. Instead of putting two or three of them on a day and, and then just like moving them down, you know, you really have to look at, well, how long is this actually going to take? And and I'm, are you ready to devote the time? You know, this I'm looking at a, a podcast I've been thinking, I mean, not a podcast, I'm sorry, a, a blog post I've been th thinking about writing and I've sort of chipped away at it a little bit, but it's kind of a huge post. And I'm like, do I actually want to write this post? Okay. I need to decide, do I want to write this post or not before I waste more time dithering? Um, you know, that's the kind of thing. I also think that um, having a system or a method makes those things transparent and clear. So as things are moving down the calendar, you can see that that's happening and that you're making conscious decisions to be able to say, actually, I choose this over that. And I personally, one of my mantras is be as clear about what you're not going to do as what you are going to do. Because actually, mm -hmm. once you've made decisions, conscious decisions about what you're not going to do, the rest of it becomes relatively easy. As long as you are willing to decide enough things not to do. <laughs> you know? Yes. And also, I think, I think you've got to have you've got to have some context. You've got to have some clarity around why are you making the decision to say no? Because in mm -hmm. fact, which one's going to get me closer to that bigger priority, the main thing I'm trying to achieve, as opposed to just dealing with things as they come along? Hello, it's me again. In this next section, we hit another key point that's been a huge help to me. The idea of being kind to your future self by thinking in advance, what am I going to do with this thing that I'm looking at, which at some point later, I'm going to have to do something with. Now, there are solutions to this in David Allen's Getting Things Done. But as you'll hear, our conversation moves to discussing some of the things that jumped out for me from Jessica's book, Growing Gills. Things that can help you. And if you want to actually do this thing that you've got on your mind, then I recommend getting the book.
Yeah, agreed. And I think that that for me comes in daily and weekly reviews. Yes. You know, I, I that's when I make those kinds of decisions. And often I don't, I really don't make the decisions I need to be making clearly enough. And I see it during the week and I'm like, oh, that's what happened. That's why this is going this way. And um, and have to do it then. But I think that's always like my main my main mantra is just like try to make the decision before the moment when you said you were going to do the thing, whether it's like ideally it's the month before or whatever. But sometimes it's just like an hour before, like yeah. just make a decision ahead of time so that you can um, you're not faced with that dilemma, like in the moment of stress when you're supposed to be doing the thing. That's a part of um, of GTD that spoke to me most, kind of around the two minute rule, but but more just the the philosophy of I'm presented with something. Be really clear in your mind about what this is going to mean to me. What do I need to do with it, and then put it where it needs to be, so that when it when that comes back around or that task needs to be completed, you you've already done all the hard work. You've done all the thinking. You can just crack on and do it. In Growing Gills, there are a couple of things that I've read that that kind of jump out at me. Um, you talk about in terms of, of saying no, you know, being clear, this is not my department, What what is not your work. Um, the thing that I, th- I think probably speaks to the point more than anything else we were talking about is is just showing up and just making the habit. And you tell the story of Alex Bloomberg and his story around, um, you know, what's going on with these mortgages. And then that turns into what well, eventually turns into Planet Money four years down the line. And Mm -hmm. that idea of just chipping away every day and having the tenacity to be able to do that because eventually things come good. And I would imagine in the creative industry, it's even harder to see where that's going because it's not, it's not, it's not transactional, is it? It's not a process you can start and finish and say, I've done that. No, it's, it's a matter of deep self-belief, which is really, really difficult. Like you have to really believe in your project and really believe in what you're trying to do that it's worth your time and your effort. Um, and it doesn't always come good. You know, there are plenty of times when you invest a lot in something and, um, it doesn't produce what you want it to be. It doesn't come out the way you want it to come out. It doesn't, you know, do what you want it to do. And you have to be able to live through that and continue on. I think that, um, you know, the idea of having that self-belief to carry you through, but also that's got to be coupled with real practical stuff that helps you get things done because that belief can only take you so far, can't it? And you've got to, yeah. you've got to see that things are working. Yeah. You have to be able to functionally make it happen. Yeah. But the, the, the prerequisite for making it happen is believing that you should be making it happen and that is your job um, and that it's okay to devote time and energy to this thing, even though you're not getting paid for it, even though nobody cares except you yet you know, all of those kinds of things, like you are not going to put the effort into it that it requires unless you're able to say, you know what, this matters to me enough. And it's, I'm going to be good enough to do the thing that's in front of me. Yeah. You know, even though I don't feel ready, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. The, the bit that really surprised me, um, was the piece about rhythms and being a parent and how that fits. And I think for my listeners, for our listeners of this podcast, for those people who are entrepreneurs or work a day job and so on, could you just could you just unpack a little bit that piece about rhythms, being a parent and how you make that stuff fit? Sure. I mean, I'm, 
a lot of people I work with are parents. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, again, I work with plenty of people who are professional creatives and still trying to figure out ways to do the, the really big stuff. Um, but I also work with lots of people who either have day jobs or, you know, this is, this is, they're entrepreneurs and I help them with that. But then the, the, it's this integration piece of your relationships, including your children into, you know, a whole picture of your life. Instead of thinking like they're competing against each other, they're, they're in a system that, that fits together. Yeah. Um, so that said, um, what I realized working with all these people who, who are parents is that there are really large life rhythms not, it's not, we're not talking about daily rhythms. Obviously, there are daily rhythms that you need to understand in order to be able to utilize your time in a way that you feel good about. But um, in the really, in the much larger sense, um, parenthood is a huge arc in your life that has many phases to it. You know, it's ups and downs, but like in a really large sense, like when you have tiny children, you are going to be devoting most of your time to that, period. You know, yeah. you just are. Um, and then as they get a little bit older, you, you know, things get a little bit more flexible and it's just a thing, you know, and this is true too of other parts of your life, you know, that, you know, maybe you go back to school and that takes up all your time and it's okay. You can come back, you know, you can, this isn't, this is a thing with a beginning and middle and an end, even if it's a really long arc, it's an arc. Oh, one thing I should say we might want to put in earlier is, um, when you mentioned that quote of, um, how you live your days is how you live your life. That's actually Annie Dillard. That's not my quote. <laughs> That's me quoting her. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, what would you say in terms of the, the the activities and the sections in Growing Gills would be the one or two sections of it that people could dive into and get something from straight away? Because there's a lot there. What one or two techniques have you found really work for you that people could use in isolation? One of the most useful things that... I've done with, so I've done, a, I do, you know, live free events with some regularity. And um, one of the things I have people do there and also at the beginning of my program is to do time tracking. Just, just simply track your time. Okay. And there's a worksheet in the workbook that co- that comes with the book that you can use, or you can just write it down with a piece of paper or whatever. Just like write down literally what you're doing and, um, and, and just be mindful just see what are you spending your time on. And if it's not what you want to be spending your time on, just kind of really gently try to shift what you're doing a little bit at a time. You know, just try to try to think a little bit. Again, you know, it's like planning your time an hour ahead and then planning it two hours ahead and then planning it the night before. Yeah. Um, so that you get to the point where you're you're seeing what's going to be coming and then you – you know, make decisions about it, you know, with the, with more thoughtfulness. So that's a really simple thing to do that I think um, anybody can do pretty easily. And that's quite powerful, isn't it? Just even just seeing what you're actually doing. Yeah, it's a little painful, frankly. It's it's really like when I do that in my program, everybody just sort of freaks out because they're like, I can't <laughs> believe this is what I'm actually spending my time on. And I try to let, you know, give every permission to be very, you know, um, to forgive themselves for it. You know, it just, it is what it is. And it, it's just better to, to know. It's better to think. It's better to know. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing that um, I've done a lot that's been, can be really posi- uh, powerful for people who, and most people do this, but 
especially creative people um, or self-identified creative people, because I think everybody's creative, um, is you probably have just mountains of idea debt, like ideas sitting around that you think you're going to work on Mm -hmm. sometime. And it could be anything from cleaning out the garage to, you know, writing a novel. Like it's all kinds of things. Um, I try to, in the activity, I limit it to like creative projects because it's just a way to do it. But of course it can go across the board. Um, and just make a list of all those things and, um, you know, literally write down every single project you think you're going to work on or you want to work on. Mm -hmm. And that too is a very sobering activity. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I offer a few ways to kind of sort that out, um, including, and to decide what to work on. So, you'd write these things down and then you, you think through it in terms of, um, and the criteria that I hand out, I give out are um, quick wins. So is it something that you could you nail quickly? Cause that might increase your confidence about your ability to finish things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good thing to do. Um, or if there's, um, let's see, cause again, this is oriented around a creative project. So follow the money. Is it something you can get paid for? Uh-huh. And that should count um, if you care get, about getting paid for it. Uh, platform building. So if it's something that you can use to connect to people, either audience members or possible clients or, um, you know, colleagues, other people who are doing this, like, can you, can you build bridges with this thing? Yeah. Um, and then finally big picture, like, is this a thing that feeds your vision of who you're going to be in five years? Is this the kind of thing you're going to look back on and say like, thank goodness I got started on that thing when I did, or is it going to be something that's like, wait, I did what? (laughs) <laughs> and like you can't even remember because that happens, you know. So and then then you go through that and then you pick one thing to focus on, only one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for a period of time. You can I say six weeks, but, you, you know, sort of say this is a specific amount of time. I'm going to focus on just this thing. And I'm, this is a way to pre-make those no choices that we talked about Yeah. Um, in a way that feels like you've actually thought about it. You've actually addressed the issue. Because it is a thing I think that, I, I mean, I love GTD. It's great. But one of the things I think it doesn't do super well is help you figure out this kind of big picture stuff. Yes. And the um, the way that your decision making fits in with your larger vision for yourself. And that, I think that's a, a, a really good point to, to draw to a close, because that for me wraps up the two things. You're thinking about the bigger picture, but, you know, as you said, 168 hours in a week, 24 hours in a day, You've just got to think about what you can do today that gets you. And we talk in some of our episodes about baby steps and just making some progress is better than making no progress, even if you don't feel like you've achieved very much. Um, and I think that's, uh, that, that, that really comes across. Your, your tip of, your number one tip of forgive yourself, um, I think is really powerful. The bit that I took from, from the book, actually, that, that I keep coming back to is that there's no finish line. You just keep chipping away at this every day and whilst you might have a deadline or a completion for a project in terms of how you live your life and make these things work um it's a strap line we have on our podcast you know it's just a case of of you know just try and be better than the person you were yesterday don't compare yourself to anyone else just try and get a little bit better each day than you were the day before and i think those you know that's all you can do yeah and and i mean even if you're again like even that could be too high a standard sometimes, you know, it's like, just do the thing that you said you were going to do yeah. and, and keep it, you know, 
Like I always say, set the bar super, super low. Yep. Set the bar as low as possible hmm. and like walk over it and feel yeah. like a superhero. Yeah. You know, like way better that than setting the bar high and feeling like you're failing all the time. It's absolutely. so much better. You can always do more. Yeah. Um, but I really think like with this baby steps thing, absolutely. But it's like, don't, we don't minimize that. Like that is a, that's a major thing. And, and, and really my tip would be whatever that baby step is, again, the tiniest thing you can imagine, something would take five minutes, put it on your list so you can check it off. You know, put it on your list and be like, here's my task for today. Oh my gosh, I did it. I'm amazing. <laughs> and then, put my yeah. and, pants on the outside of my trousers. I'm a superhero. I've achieved it. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and with the big project, it's like, if you know that you're only going to have 10 minutes to focus on thing and say, you know, on the thing, then put it on your list to say like, spend 10 minutes, you know, journaling about project. You know, you sit down, you do your 10 minutes, you check it off. And you've done what you said you're going to do and you've moved it forward. You really have. It may not feel like much, but it adds up. I mean, I have all these people who go through my program who like they start off with these massive goals to finish something, you know, huge in six weeks or whatever. And then by the end of the program, their goals are like a quarter of the size, but they blew past them. Absolutely. You know, they instead of doing very little to nothing, they're doing something every day and they're yeah. like flowing. Um and yet their goals are smaller. Jessica, I'm really, really grateful for you uh, joining us. Where can people see your stuff, connect with you? Uh, what's out there that people can get a hold of? Uh, well, they've got all my books and all those other things. But the easiest way to find all of that stuff is just to go to my website, which is jessicaabel.com. So it's J-E-S-S-I-C-A-A-B-E-L.com. Fantastic. If I could wave a magic wand and change one thing in your life that you struggle with now, what would it be? I would get much better at stopping work. <laughs> <laughs> I would get better at saying no. That's what I would do. I think we, uh, I think we could all learn something from that. Jessica, absolutely uh, over the moon to have you on the show. And I think we've covered an awful lot of stuff in a, in a, in a chunk of time. Really, really grateful. Thank you ever so much for, for spending some time with us and, uh, and, and sharing your ideas. I thoroughly recommend people go out and buy out on the wire, um, growing gills. And I think for people that are not in the creative industry, there's a huge amount in growing gills that I personally found really, really useful. Um, so I recommend people do it. Thanks ever so much. It's been really, really great to be here and, um, and talk to somebody else who cares about this stuff as much as I do. <laughs> if I could, if one person gets something out of it, then yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. Agreed. Thanks, Jessica. Okay. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks ever so much for coming. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Speak to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye. Did you get the impression I didn't really want to say goodbye? It was a real privilege to talk to Jessica. And if our conversation has inspired you to go and actually do something about getting that project off the ground, then you need to go to jessicaable.com. That's J-E-S-S I-C-A-A-B-E-L dot com. Click on the Growing Gills link and buy the book. As I said at the start, plenty of people have commented on the life-affirming quality of doing something creative. It's good for the soul. And if you feel like you're drowning in all the other stuff that's in your life, then I reckon you could do much worse than read Jessica's book 
come up for air, and make like the dolphins in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, move on to the next level in your universe. And maybe you'll agree that if the answer to the big question of life, the universe and everything has been revealed to you in episode 42, then all you've got to do now is work out what the question is. All the links, resource and articles I've used in this episode will be in the show notes right there on your device. Hopefully you'll find them helpful and useful and hopefully you'll find this whole podcast helpful and useful. I hope you do and I do spend a lot of time and effort making sure it's relevant, helpful and entertaining enough for you to listen to. If you agree and you'd like to show your support, there are several ways you can do it. You could go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating or a great review, which would be fab. Alternatively, you can share the podcast on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. We are at Sharp Podcast, one word, two Ps. Or you could even show someone how to subscribe on their phone or their device. And finally, on the website, sharppodcast.com, you can leave feedback, subscribe, or go and listen to the archive episodes. I'm off. I hope you're able to find one thing before our next episode that you can do, which will help you get better. And remember, don't waste time comparing yourself to anyone else. The only person you should try to be any better than is the person that you were yesterday. Bye-bye. Okay, so we've got proceed with caution. So that's an improvement. I think we'll be okay. Well, look, I will press start because time is ticking on anyway. And I shall just ensconce myself in my booth. Fantastic. So I'm recording and uh, I think if I just start off by um, saying hi and telling people who you are as if we haven't spoken and then we can just have a bit of a chat. Is that okay?